Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outcast Catholic. This is Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. We are once again honored that you would tune in, whether on the radio or on your podcast, to listen to us talk about some random stuff. So here we are talking about stuff. Outcast stuff, some Catholic stuff, a little outcast Catholic stuff. Whatever you want. Yeah. Careful not to become Catholic stuff you should know. No. It might not even be stuff you should know. No, we but can't hold a like candle to those wonderful, esteemed Denver priests. That's right. Who usually want to dive into, I don't know, like De Lubac Sernatural or and wear some cool postmodernism puff, and wear theme. Cool puffy vests and chacos and stuff. We yeah. just can't keep up. <laughs> we just can't keep up with that. Who can? So trendy. We're just, we're just, so we're just sweating it out in the Midwest, the humidity right now. I know. I saw a dumb meme. <laughs> so stupid, but so true. It showed like a solar system picture of the sun and the earth. <laughs> Iowa was just slightly closer to the sun than the <laughs> earth was. It has been a hot early part of the summer here. You know, it has. In fact, I, um, I'm pretty concerned about some of the drought conditions across the world, especially out west. Yeah. I've done, a, I've done one of the masses uh, for special intentions at the back of the Roman Missal just for rain and, right. and an end to the drought. Um, I mean, this, there's going to be a ripple effect here with the drought and how this is going to affect world hunger. Yeah. Um, so lots of prayers are needed just, you know, given the conditions that we might find ourselves in throughout the rest of the summer. Yeah. I was just in California, Northern California for a little vacation in the Napa area and to see the remnants of last year's fires, mm. it was pretty wild. I mean, like acres and acres of torched trees. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's so many, there's so much, um, fruit production that, that happens in, in produce and stuff like that in Northern California, that that's a lot of that was just wiped out. Wow. How um, tragic. Yeah. So you kind of see that with the drought, but yeah. absolutely. How was your vacation? It was good. Yeah. yeah. I have never, I've been to California once before Northern California to the redwoods okay. hiking a little bit, but I've nice. never been to Napa um, with some sweet connections. Shout out to Tim Bush and the Meritage that let priests stay for free. Mm-hmm. We had some pretty sweet connection there because, um, it's pretty spendy to, to stay in and around the Napa area. Yeah. It's become so commercialized and stuff. But we also had a cool connection with some some winemakers uh family that we stayed at their house. So it was it was it was an adventure. It was great, but it was restful. Oh, well, good for you. And some delicious wine and good food. Good. Um and beautiful scenery out there. Oh yeah. The the interesting thing, this is actually kind of cool. This will be a little quick segue so we can back it up later. But um I was shocked to see that the it, it had nothing to do with the drought. The grass just always dies in that part of the country. Mm-hmm. It's always just brown. Right. And it's so much more like the Holy Land. So when you read the Psalms and it talks about like the grass comes up in the morning and by evening it withers and fades, that just hasn't meant much to me with like Kentucky bluegrass around here. It's like, unless it's like harsh drought, it right. stays green all summer. Right. And then gets, it, it's, but this is like a seasonal. It's like comes up pretty quick and then like a couple weeks later it's brown. Right. Yeah. But it was it was beautiful scenery. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. I'm glad the Psalms could come alive for you in they Napa. They really did. That's they great. Really did. The hills were alive with the sound of the, the hills are alive. That's right. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to run around <laughs> with my wimple um, taken off. Oh. Well, you weren't in Austria. No. You know, Not next yet. next that, time you're in Salzburg, vacation. then you can right. relive that's the sound of music. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 
That's good. Speaking of the sound of music, um, yes. I had the sound of Father Shane Demon and company singing at my massive. We did throw together a little ditty. That was a little ditty. Yeah, because sorts. do you know why? You're a big deal. I am a big deal. He's not listening, but Father Andy Gallus, who's also helping with music, keeping that nickname when we lived together over the summer when I was a transitional deacon. Big, big deal. Big, big deal, Karate. Big deal, Karate. That's what they call me. Yeah. So, uh, I yeah, you were there for it, but I celebrated my one year and one week anniversary <laughs> of ordination because I didn't get to do so over the pandemic. We spoke before that I went back to my home parish for Pentecost, but this was kind of like three parties rolled into one. This thing was the kind of reception that would have happened immediately after the ordination of the cathedral. Right. And then usually a priest has a mass of Thanksgiving the next day. Right. And then there's also usually kind of a big wedding-esque reception that happens after that. So we rolled that all into one, did it here in Lamar's at my parish assignment. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. Well, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we had said to you from a diocesan perspective last year, you know, you've never really kind of gotten the full banquet reception. Right. And it, and we don't, we don't necessarily do that just to kind of, you know, boost your ego. Right. right. It was an opportunity to offer hospitality to all your family members and friends who right. could not come to your ordination due to the pandemic. But it's also an opportunity to gather people and just reflect on the goodness of God throughout the formation process, all the graces that had been flowing to get you to the priesthood. Right. And, uh, and to celebrate that and, and to praise God in, in a spirit of thankfulness. Right. You had said this way back when we started the podcast almost a year ago. We're coming up on that year mark. I don't know where that's at. So maybe we're celebrating that right now. I don't know. Of the podcast. but Well, yes. You and I started recording in July, and then we released our first four episodes in August. So coming up soon. So I think this is our 52nd episode, if I'm not mistaken. So does that make this our one-year anniversary episode? Perhaps. Okay. Well, congratulations, if that's the case. You too. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I remember way back when. when we were, I don't have champagne. I'm no. sorry. Well, this is why I think I was thinking. It's 1030 in the morning. We, <laughs> it is. Um, just this bottle of water. Right. Um, nor are we cool enough like the Denver guys to drink bourbon while we record anyway. So what are we even talking about? Yes, exactly. Um, so a year ago, we actually recorded one of those podcasts that we released a little bit later about reflecting on my ordination. Right. And I remember you talking about the how powerful it is to realize all of the prayers of the people throughout the whole formation process and even who would bring to an ordination. And that's what I got to see at this mass that mm -hmm. all these friends and family from all over the country that I mean, all over mostly the Midwest, but they really came to rejoice in the gift of the priesthood. Mm -hmm. um, they came to celebrate with me, but it was, it was more so than that. Um, it's like when you experience, like I just did a, a really holy wedding when you see most of the most of the people there really understand the sacrament and are celebrating the sacrament of marriage that these two people have experienced, that's really what it felt like. It was like the priests who were able to come, the bishop who sat in choir, um, the friends and family who came. I've been a priest for a year and a couple weeks now, so it it was nothing new to me to celebrate mass, but it was to to experience so many people celebrating the gift of the priesthood with right. me for the first time. Yeah, what a gift that, that is. was! Exciting. Yeah. It it was it was a lot more just comfortable <laughs> watching you celebrate your Mass of Thanksgiving with a year's experience yes, under your belt. Yes, guys who have no experience and yeah. sort of day before. Yeah, it's literally it's day little, two of their priesthood. It's a little bit, uh, yeah, a little rigid. And is trying, he going to turn the page at the right time? <laughs> nervous and yeah, exactly right. Yeah, he's going to drop something. 
In a spirit of full disclosure, I would say that when recording with Father Nepple, he was drinking bourbon. Right. When our, We're just not... We need to start doing that. But no, I actually provided him the bourbon because oh, he, he wanted it. He doesn't know. He can't podcast without it. That's probably the reason. Probably. <laughs> He's not dependent. There's no There's no dependency there. Yeah, right. But uh, Helps he, the flow. Well, he had come out to help us and had driven out of the city out into the Denver. Denver or hospitality. Into the mountains. So it was just general hospitality. Yeah, general hospitality. Right. With Maker's Mark nearby. Right. In full disclosure to our listeners, I did not drink with him. I was a chaperone. Ah. For all of the miners on the trip. Right. He wanted a beverage. I said, fine, this is for you in general hospitality, but I have to keep my wits about me. Exactly. For any late night hospital runs that yeah, might come or up. Or any forest fires that we were starting. I'm yeah. sure you remember that from our, our time in the Black Hills. These guys are just like, yeah, we're starting a fire. We're on the phone with them. You remember that? We're, we're having a little bonfire yes. outside the retreat center. Yeah. Oh, we're out in the woods. Starting a fire. And you like, <laughs> I didn't, I haven't seen like dad mode Father Shane come <laughs> out very often, but that was one of those. It was like, you put that fire and you get back here right away. We are in a drought. Well, we are in a drought. Plus they were on private property. That wasn't the retreat center's property that they ran and walked out to in the woods and started a fire in the middle of the night. <laughs> Get back here now. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't hear it often, but when it comes out, it comes out. It can come out. It can come it, out. It, sometimes I lose it. I didn't lose it at all. Oh. Uh, we did have to have a come to Jesus meeting at one point in the quest trip just to you know, correct some behavior, but we dealt with it as men and then we moved on. Good. But um, I, I didn't have to ever lose it on anybody. So. <laughs> wow. That's great. Yeah, I hope I'm never on the receiving end of the of the dad mode, Father Shane Rath. So that's good. Gosh. Yeah, speaking of uh, vacation and speaking of this one-year anniversary, um, I've been thinking a lot about just the transition of liturgical seasons that I'm experiencing in this first kind of now year and a couple weeks of the priesthood and how it's so helpful to have experienced this full rotation um, in my first year because in seminary, the summertime is always so sporadic. It, we would leave the routine of the seminary, come back home, kind of spend a little bit of time with family, maybe on a little vacation, traveling around to ordinations, things like that, and then jumping into some experience of ministry. But you're only there for a couple months, and then boom, shooting back to seminary. So it always felt a little bit frazzled. But to experience right. the full year of ministry and the ebb and flow of kind of intensity and devotion that comes with Lent and with Advent and preparation for Easter and for Christmas and then kind of the, the um, oh, just kind of tapers off a little bit afterwards the, mm-hmm. of the intensity into kind of the, the normal flow of the year. Um, I'm realizing that this season of ordinary time that we find ourselves in, in the summer months especially, and then a little bit later, it's kind of unknown to a lot of people, misunderstood rather, or just, yeah, people don't really have a, a connection to it. Um, and while it's pretty clear what the focus of Lent is preparing for Easter, right? This experience of repentance from our sins and preparation for the glory of the Paschal mystery or the preparation of Advent is really clear. We're counting down the weeks until Jesus is born. We're celebrating the incarnation of Jesus in the world. Um, ordinary time. What's that? What's going on with that? And in the way we say it in English makes it just sound like normal, boring time that we have to sit in church. All right. Um, and most Catholics experience ordinary time most of the year. That's the longest liturgical season. Um, and that's the what the, what they experience the most. Mm-hmm. Father Bruce Lawler here at the parish in Lamar's likes to say that ordinary time is the oldest liturgical season because right after Jesus ascended, it was ordinary, time. ordinary time and they're <laughs> yeah. counting, they're counting the days until he comes again. Right. Um, so in Latin, it just means time ordered throughout the year. Right. But in the West, we're given this color of green vestments 
And I don't know why, but my entire life I never associated with, oh, it's during the summertime and you look around and there's all this plant growth all over the place. But mm-hmm. the whole point is that it's supposed to be a time of growth. But in my life, in my experience up until now, I don't think I've leaned into that and received from sort of the church what this season can be as a time of growth. Um, it just seems kind of random. We, we don't follow, the scripture doesn't follow kind of the season so it's really clear, Lent, we're following the scriptures that have to do with repentance, and then we move into Jesus preparing for his Paschal Mystery and Easter. Same with Advent. We're looking at these prophecies of, of Christ in the Old Testament. We're looking at his preparation for his birth. Now we're just kind of working through the gospel. We're kind of working through the Old Testament in different ways. Mm-hmm. However, back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, my experience recently in California with all the different type of agricultural produce it's really given me an invitation to celebrate and to engage this season a little bit better. And I just thought I'd offer this little reflection for our, for our listeners as well to actually engage like we would encourage those to engage Lent and Advent, Easter and Christmas to engage this, this kind of season a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, As I looked around and saw that agricultural growth, like I was talking about and the Psalms too, it's true that grass, it comes up in the morning and it withers and fades. And just a few weeks ago we had, those scripture readings about agriculture where it talked about the seed is sown and the farmer sleeps and rises and the growth comes about without him doing anything. Um, And it's just led to this reflection for me about how God is the one who brings about growth in our relationship with him. And just as soil needs to be fertile and watered and tilled to be available to receive a seed and to nurture its growth, our hearts have to be open and nurture and tilled to nurture the growth of relationship, but it's God who's the one bringing about that growth. Um, that seems to be the central kind of thrust and theme of this season that I think sometimes gets lost in the kind of, you know, just like the, the relaxation of summer or the franticness of going to sports ball, sports games is what I almost said, sure. ball games, softball, sure. baseball, things like that, vacations. Yeah, ordinary time is, is hardly boring. It's right. really extraordinary in many ways. And you had just pointed out that there isn't a real like um, focal point in all the scripture readings. That we kind of have a smattering of, of all the other you know gospel passages that are uh, out of the Christmas narrative or out of the, the, the build-up to Holy Week in Lent. But, it, but that smattering of scripture passages from the rest of the gospels really does speak to what ordinary time is all about. Listening to Jesus and growing with him, mm. you know, in whatever facet his teachings come from in, in all those scripture passages, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't really matter. How does the Lord want us to continually bear fruit? Um, and I think as priests, we, we kind of are invited to lean into this season more deeply, wearing the green vestments, Walking with people outside of the maybe maybe the high seasons, right? Um, I have grown to appreciate ordinary time a lot more, just because you don't want it to be the time of vice. You don't want yeah. it to be the time of backward growth coming out of the joy of Easter. Um, and I, I I have some very very strong memories of getting home from college seminary, and I remember very keenly like sitting on the front porch of my parents' home. The spring semester of college seminary had ended, and I remember praying Vespers several years in a row on Pentecost Sunday by myself in the breviary, the Liturgy of the Hours. And there's always that line that says, you know, 
at the conclusion of Vespers, the Easter season ends, you know, and then you change your, your breviary to another volume to get out the ordinary time breviary. And I, I remember, you know, there was always a kind of a tinge of sadness in my heart in praying that because it's like, oh, gee, you know, I, the Easter season really is over. I don't have all the, the brethren, the fraternity that I right. had throughout the Easter season while still in college in the spring semester with the seminarians. And now I guess, oh, gee, I'm home, I'm alone, doing the old family routine again, don't have the rhythm of, of college life or seminary life. Um, and that was really the wrong mentality, mm-hmm. you know, just because the Easter season has ended, Pentecost is over, and we're now kind of into this ordinary time. It's not a dull time. It's intended for great growth, great vitality, right? Right. You know, um, the rainforest never stops growing mm. in its in its freshness, in its vibrancy, in its greenness. Right. Life just keeps abundantly pouring forth. Mm. Um, and that's what that's what the ordinary time is supposed to be. It, it's not like you know the Christian life is supposed to be kind of a life of sterility, a life of plateauness, just being kind of sterile. And then oh, there's like these little peaks of growth. No, <laughs> the Christian life is always supposed to be one of great vitality, always moving closer and closer into the life of of the Trinity and bringing about the kingdom of God here on earth. That's supposed to be the normal trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually abnormal to stop growing from a Christian perspective. It's ab- abnormal to kind of go backwards or to stumble and fall. Uh, yes, we are sinners, and there is stumbling and falling, but continuing the growth pattern, that's supposed to be the the norm, right? right? Right. Yeah, and I was just thinking a few weeks ago when we had the podcast talking about The Chosen, those kind of series of shows that have come out recently, what it shows in the Galilean ministry of Jesus calling the apostles and walking with them, that seems to be the theme of ordinary time is walking with Jesus and to watch the growth that happens with the apostles, especially in those three years when they're literally walking and camping and staying with Jesus as he's healing people. It's slow. It's laborious. We talked about that before. It's not efficient. It's, It's slow, but it's in God's time. But that seems to be the style that the, and, the, and the kind of experience that we get to experience liturgically, but then also in our spiritual lives, that God's abiding presence is with us. He's walking with us in the sacraments. He's in the depths of our heart through the Holy Spirit, and he's inviting us to continue growth. You look at these apostles in that show, The Chosen, and how they're experiencing the growth of struggling with their own selfishness and their own sinfulness. They're experiencing the growth of understanding more and more who Jesus is and who he's revealing himself to be to them. Mm-hmm. Um that's our experience as well. People always want to know how to pray, and young people too, and people who listen have, have asked me, yeah, how do I have a better relationship with Jesus? This isn't, does it exhaust it, but reading the daily mass readings, reading the Sunday readings can be such a helpful experience because the church has given us these seasons and these times to help guide our growth, um, not just to kind of hang us up to dry and say, good luck, see you next Lent, see you mm-hmm. next Easter, and then we'll have things available at the parish. Um, it's true, things kind of, toned down a little bit on a parish level. There are less retreats and less missions offered and less talks and different things like that. But that's okay in some ways because the, the, the daily routine of daily mass at a parish, weekly confession, things like that, that can help foster our faith and our relationship with God. Sure. Marian devotions. In this, we're still in the year of St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. 
you know, spending time meditating on the, on the mysteries of his life and how he was supporting Mary and how he was coming to worship and find the Savior in his own home. Uh, that can be a, a great pattern for one's own spiritual growth throughout these, these extraordinary times of the summer months, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it is unfortunate in the English language that the word ordinary, you know, gets such a dull connotation. Normal, boring time. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's really not what the church is intending at all. So hopefully, perhaps, next time you see green vestments at church, which will be quite a bit this summer. Between now and Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot. Uh, hopefully it can stir up some of that inspiration for growth and maybe to consider, to take from this episode, um, God's invitation to help you grow and to maybe ask, well, where are the areas that I need the most growth right now? Mm-hmm. And where is Jesus already bringing about growth? And where does he want to help me bring about more growth? Yeah. Here in the Midwest, you just drive around all summer and the fields with the crops are growing. Mm-hmm. How are we going to grow as well? Amen. Good well, thanks being with everybody. you. Yeah. Thanks, Father Shane. Appreciate it. Friends, have a great afternoon, a great morning, great night, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening. It's great to be with you and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time and God bless.